everybody. Welcome to the Book of Sean. It's the end of the week. We love an end of the week show, and I got one for you tonight. I'm telling you, we got to ride, people. We're going to have a good time tonight. Amazing things are happening at Harvard University. We're going to talk about that. A 90-year-old woman has graduated. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about condoms, people. Apparently, if you need a condom, you should go to France because they're giving them out free. <laughs> We're going to have a good time with that story. We're going to talk about a 22-year-old man who retired from the NBA and an 18-year-old who decided he wanted to run and become the mayor of an American city. Got a lot of ground to cover. And along the way, we're going to do some, let me think about it, best things that I've seen all week and some Ask Dr. Sean. <laughs> Get comfortable. This is going to be good. Heidi, play the bumper, man. So let's talk about Harvard. Harvard University. Claudine Gay will be the first black woman to serve as the president of Harvard University. We love Harvard University here at the Book of Sean, and we're very happy to say that a black woman will be the university's 13th president. Dr. Gay is the first person of color and the second woman to lead the institution in its long and storied history. Harvard is without question the most prestigious university in America. More than Yale, of course, more than Princeton, Cornell, Dartmouth, Penn, Columbia, Brown, Princeton, you know, all the rest of them. <laughs> yes, Dr. Gay is an amazing scholar. She's also the daughter of Haitian immigrants, who, and she received her PhD in government from Harvard in 1998. She will begin her term as the 13th president of the university in July of 2023. Harvard was founded in 1636, which means the university is older than the country that it sits in, since America was founded in 1776. And for not one of those 386 years has a black person or person of color been the leader of that institution. But that's about to change in July, because contrary, to what some people would have you to, to believe, change does happen. Things do actually conform to the level of our dreams, our wishes, our hopes, and our prayers. And don't let anybody tell you that the world never changes and this will always be like that and it's never gonna get any better because it's just not true. It may take a while and people may have to work really hard to accomplish it, but against the wishes of those who would have you believe otherwise, big things are still happening. Important milestones are still being met. And let me just say this, just, just so we're just talking. There are probably outbursts and drops of progress happening in, the, in your own life. Just in your own private existence, there are ways and there are evidences of how you have transformed, how your life has changed. And contrary, again, to the wishes of those who would wish you to stay the same, there are so many ways and so many examples of how you've transformed. Remember all the people at a certain stage of your life who said you would never be anything more than what you were when they met you? They should see you now. 
<laughs> you become an absolute better version of yourself because we do transform. Life does conform every now and then to the level of our dreams. You're not the fool you used to be five years ago. You're not as insecure as you were two years ago. You're not everything that you're going to be, but thank God you are not what you were. And I bet you there are aspects of your relationship, your marriage, your parenting, that's also transformed and also has evidence of progress. You see, beloved, there are different parts of your career, different parts of your friendships that are all slowly making progress. And just because you don't notice it doesn't mean that it's not happening. Because there are things you and your husband or you and your wife or you and your baby daddy, baby mama, boyfriend, girlfriend, there are things that y'all used to argue about that you don't argue about as much anymore. There are things that used to send you over the edge that don't send you over the same edge like it used to. Because progress happens. We do change. We do grow. Heraclitus was right. You never step in the same river twice because the river is always moving. And don't let anybody convince you that the things you want to change in your life cannot change. And that old recalcitrant institutions cannot lend, cannot bend rather, and lean in the direction of what we hope for this country. And I say that with receipts because in 386 years of white people running Harvard come July, that won't be the case. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Claudia Gay, man. All right, let's talk about condoms. <laughs> I couldn't wait for this story. Let's talk, which is, which is a subtle way of talking about sex. Because how can you talk about condoms and not talk about sex? So apparently, starting in January, next month, the nation of France will be offering free condoms to pharmacies, through pharmacies, to young adults who are at least up to the age of 25. And the logic behind this is to reduce the spread of sexually transmitted diseases, as authorities have observed, an increase in STDs, specifically in the case of chlamydia and gonorrhea. So apparently, there are a lot of young adults in France having a lot of sex, and few of it is in the context of monogamy. Because it's a lot harder to get chlamydia and gonorrhea if you're having sex with the same person who's also having sex with you. But I'm not here to judge. <laughs> Have sex with whoever you like, because they're a consenting adult. Anyway, the real interesting part of the story is not that France is giving condoms to young adults, because truth of the matter is, that's the responsible part of the story. If you notice in your country that STDs are going up, and you notice in your country that people are having a lot of sex, the responsible thing is to provide contraception so people don't end up getting sick, and in some cases, dying, right? But imagine if this happened in America. Imagine if this story was about America. Can you imagine what would happen in this country if Joe Biden and the Biden administration decided to give out free condoms to young adults? Come on, y'all, you know what would happen. Now, of course, his popularity with young adults would go through the roof. 
he would no longer have a problem with the younger generation. They would love him instantly. But right after that love came through, all of the religious anals stick up their butt, Victorian, religious, prissy, self-righteous Americans would hit the roof. <laughs> and the line would be, Joe Biden is giving condoms and promoting promiscuity among the children of America. Because it's only in America where a 19-year-old is a child when it comes to sex. <laughs> now, if the same 19-year-old hit somebody with a car accidentally, prosecutors will prosecute that 19-year-old as an adult. But if you give a 19-year-old condom, all of a sudden, he or she becomes a child. And that's what the story would be. Joe Biden is sending the children of America to hell, promoting promiscuity. You know what's amazing about this country? We have no problems talking about war and violence. We have no problems talking about guns, but we have a problem talking about sex. It's like we can't talk about sex without it becoming something seedy and something complicated. Why can't it be something beautiful? Why can't we talk about sex as mature adults and acknowledge the fact that sex is what mature adults have? And it's a gift from God and it's a beautiful thing. And the more we talk about it, the more we make it less of a taboo, the more we can encourage our children to engage in it. Now, let me not say children, our young adults <laughs> to engage in it responsibly. Because a lot of the people who are anal and stuck and, you know, got a stick stuck up their butt and, you know, Victorian and self-righteous, part of the reason why they're like that is because they're not having enough sex. <laughs> they're really repressed. How is it that a country can talk about waging war, but we can't talk about making love? Did that make sense to anybody? Because quite frankly, it makes no sense to me at all. This is what we did during AIDS. We had the means by which to help people avoid getting that disease. And instead of giving them condoms, instead of providing what they needed to live, we got caught up in how it looks. Anyway, let's do one more before I take this break. Time Magazine. Time Magazine has announced that the global pop group Blackpink has been chosen for the magazine's Entertainer of the Year. There they are. The group has made it up of four women from South Korea, New Zealand, Thailand, and Australia. And apparently, according to Time Magazine, they are the most significant entertainers of 2022. I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? Because when I saw this story, I couldn't wait to talk to you about it. So I could say to you in no uncertain terms, I have no idea who Blackpink, who are these people? I don't know them. <laughs> I'm not knocking them, okay? I've never heard any of their songs. I don't know the names of the people in the group. Everything I just read to you is exactly all I know about this group. And, you know, if they sat next to me in the airport, I wouldn't know who they were, nor would I care. But let's be clear, I ain't got nothing against Blackpink. If Drake sat next to me in the airport, I wouldn't give a damn either. I would say hello and then tell him to leave me alone. <laughs> That's just my personality. 
Now, I'm not denying that the ladies of Blackpink may have some amazing talent and some great songs and may, they may have great concerts. And I don't deny that they have a lot of fans and people that love them. I do not deny the impact of this group. I'm just saying that nothing about this group reaches into my world. I have no idea who they are. I've never heard of them, never heard of their music. And Time Magazine presumes to tell me that a group that I've never heard of, whose music I've never been acquainted to in any way, is now the entertainers of the year. Time Magazine, you do know that Beyonce put out some music this year, right? You do know that, right? I'm just saying. See, the point of this is to simply suggest, don't let anybody try to convince you that what they value is what you should value too. Don't let people develop your lists, that give you their list and make their list your list. Don't let people come into your life and try to tell you that this is important and this is significant and this is what you should care about. See, that's what's wrong with social media. Social media is all about attention. It's all about convincing you, compelling you to give your attention to something long enough for, for the social media platform to sell it to an advertiser. I respect Time Magazine, but Time Magazine is not going to tell me who the entertainers of the year are. No more than Barack Obama. Barack Obama put out his list of his best and favorite things of the year. He did it today, right before we went on the air. And on his list, he says his favorite movie of the year, one of his favorite movies is Top Gun Maverick. I think Barack Obama is a great president, but he's a horrible movie critic. Because <laughs> I didn't like that movie at all. You see my point? It's, it's Time Magazine is respected and Barack Obama is respected, but guess what? I'm Sean McMillan, and I will decide for me what I like and what I don't like. I don't give my, I don't, I don't take references on the things that I value and on the things that I think are important to me. I don't do that. And I'm inviting you not to do it either. Don't let people tell you what you should be loving and caring about. How about you develop your own list based upon the things that mean something to you? How about you decide what your priorities and your goals and your ambitions are? The people that you admire, the people that you think are about something, and just because somebody has a million followers or 10 million views doesn't mean that you should care about them. Because I'm sure Blackpink has way more followers on social media than I ever will. And I'm certain that they get way more likes and friend requests and DMs than I will ever get. But I still don't care. <laughs> Nothing about what they do reaches into my world. I'm happy for them, but it doesn't, it doesn't come the way I live. See, I'm focused on what I'm called to do, what I'm trying to get done, and what I was born to accomplish. Not at the expense of other people or their wishes or their dreams but certainly at the expense of anybody else telling me what direction I should be loving, caring, reaching, and striving for. So be clear about what you care about. Reach your goals. And remember, if you're not reaching your goals, it's only because you're not clear. And somebody else is probably telling you what you should be caring about. All right, when I come back, we're going to talk about a very painful story of a young man that was exploited online and ended up taking his life. We're going to delve into that. Yeah. And eventually, we're going to talk about some of the best things that I've seen all week. Not yet, but almost. We'll be right back right after this. 
Welcome back, everybody. In this block, um, you're going to get sort of a complicated mix of stories about young people. One of them happens to be quite sad, the other concerning, and the last one extraordinary. Let's begin. Take a seat. Ryan Last was a 17-year-old young man, and last week he committed suicide because he was the alleged target of an online sex scam. Apparently there are a bunch of predators online who are allegedly engaging in sex terrorism. That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> Where the victim is contacted by someone who claims to be a girl. Eventually they're coerced into sending revealing photos of themselves, pornographic photos. And then ultimately they're blackmailed into sending money so that the photos they sent to the person that they thought was a girl, who turns out most, most of the time to be a guy, so that they can avoid having those photos released to the world. And apparently this is allegedly what happened to Ryan. After he sent one of his photos to a cyber criminal, the cyber criminal demanded, listen to this, $5,000 in order to keep the photos private. So in exchange for the secrecy, the cyber criminal wanted the 17-year-old boy to come up with $5,000. And regrettably, within hours after receiving the request, Ryan Lass was overwhelmed with it, overwhelmed with the pressure, overwhelmed with the anxiety, overwhelmed with the fear, and he took his life. Because some weirdo online convinced him that he was allegedly, convinced him that he was allegedly a woman and had him send photo, photos and threatened to out him. Police in California have arrested Jonathan Cassie in connection with the alleged scam. And he was booked for extortion and disorderly conduct and posting of a photograph or recording without consent. And before we get into this, let me just simply say, our hearts and prayers and love go out to the family of Ryan. We're praying for all of you. And we wish that none of this would have happened. In fact, we wish that we lived in a world where people didn't see the need or find any profit in hurting children. Regrettably, we don't live in that kind of world. And so to Ryan's parents and friends and family and siblings and those who love him, we send you our love and our prayers. Nobody should be this decadent, but people are. And nobody should be willing to coerce someone and then blackmail them into keeping a secret, but that's what people do. And nobody should end up having to kill themselves because of it, but this is the world we've created together. But let me say this, okay? Having said all of that, now hear this. If you're sending nude photos to someone, if you're right now, hopefully you're not doing it right now, but if you have in the past or plan on doing it in the future, if you're sending nude photos of yourself to another person, you should only be sending those kind of photos if you are okay with the possibility of the rest of us seeing it too. Come on, receive that. Let that get in your spirit. 
Because it's common, it's common nowadays for people to send new photos. It's very common. People are doing it all the time. But I'm telling you, don't send the photo that you don't want the rest of the world to see. And if you press send, then be okay with the rest of us seeing whatever it is you've shared with the person you think you're sharing it to. And you know why I'm saying this? Because people change when they get mad. You see, in Ryan's case, he was extorted. He was lied to and then blackmailed. This has nothing to do with that. I'm talking in the normal, normal occurrence of how this normally happens. You send your little naked photo, <laughs> your little naked, your little naked, your naked photo. I don't know why that's so funny to me. To somebody that you like and they like you and y'all just sending the photos and the videos. Yeah, that's real cool as long as y'all like each other. But what happens when you break up and somebody gets mad? People change when they get mad, beloved. And I'm just saying, don't start sending people things because it's good right now. And don't send people things that you would not want the rest of the world to see, because you should assume that whatever you send somebody, eventually somebody else is going to see it. You got any shame or regret about what you're doing or what you're sending? Stop doing it. I don't send naked photos. <laughs> Partly because I have no one to send them to. But <laughs> even if I did, I would only send a naked photo of me so as long as I didn't care who saw it. And that's kind of where I am with that. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see it, but in the, in the unlikely event that they are, listen, if I send it, it's because I don't care who sees it. That used to be your practice too. You're welcome. All right, this is the one that's concerning. Tyler Terry, this week Tyler Terry, who plays for the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA, Retired from the league, citing the overwhelming anxiety professional basketball has created within him. Tyler Terry was just drafted to the NBA by the Dallas Mavericks in 2020, just two years ago. He's 22 years old and only been in the league two years, and now he's retired from basketball. Here's what Tyler wrote on Instagram, that while I've achieved amazing accomplishments and treated to unforgettable memories and made lifelong friends. I've also experienced some of the darkest times in my life to the point where instead of building me up, basketball has begun to destroy me. Tyler said that his anxiety was caused, has caused him rather nightmares, shortness of breath, chest pains, and he went on to declare that he's no longer in love with basketball, no longer interested in playing in the NBA. See, listen. It's, um, do you know how hard it is to walk away from something that you're really good at, even if it is killing you? You know, I mean, anybody, anybody can walk away from failure, but it takes a special kind of person to walk away from success. And make no mistake about it, Tyler was successful at basketball, okay? He got drafted to the NBA, played in the NBA for two years, he was successful at playing basketball, a hell of a lot more successful than I was. <laughs> I never got nowhere near the NBA. And he walked away from a thing he was actually successful at because Tyler cared about himself more than he cared about being successful at something. 
This is interesting because, you know, imagine spending your whole life dreaming about something, working to accomplish something, huh? Only to discover that when you get it, that that dream is not for you. Can you imagine what it must feel like to spend literally your whole life working to do one thing, dreaming about one thing, and then you get the thing that you were dreaming about, and then the dream turns on you, and it becomes a burden and not a blessing. It becomes a cross and not a crown. It becomes the thing that makes you feel the worst about yourself and not the best of what you thought you might achieve and manifest in the presence of this thing. That's where Tyler found himself. And to his credit, he did not care about what other people would think, about what other people would say. He determined and decided in his own heart that he loved himself enough to set himself free from the thing that was holding him down. You know, at some point, we're, all, we're, at some point we're going to have a hard, we're going to have to have a hard conversation with Generation Z about anxiety. They don't seem to handle it very well. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's their fault. It may be our fault because we didn't prepare them. Or we haven't given them resources. But at some point, not tonight, but at some point, we're going to have to have a hard conversation with Generation Z about anxiety and fear. Because trouble is not limited to basketball. Just because you leave one area of your life doesn't mean that you left trouble alone. Trouble is everywhere. Anxiety and fear will pop up in every area of your living. And I know that life will never trust you with greatness until life knows it can trust you first with trouble. But I'm still happy for this young man. I'm happy that he's doing what he needs to do for himself. And I wish him peace. And I wish him joy. Because I just happen to believe that everybody should have that. Even if you don't go to the NBA, like me. <laughs> Let's do one more before we take this break. Now, here is the um, extraordinary story. And you may like some of what I have to say. You might not like some of it as well. Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith graduated from high school in May, and in less than a year, at the age of 18, that young man, right there on the screen, is the youngest mayor of an American city, early Arkansas. Yes, early Arkansas has elected an 18-year-old to be its mayor. Yes. Smith said, through hard work in the Student Government Association, his high school, and passion, a determined campaign, and a desire to serve his community and take it to another level that spurred him on to win this election. Mayor Smith may be young, and indeed he is, but he has a vision for what he wants to do for his city, such as getting rid of abandoned homes and making the police department 24 hours and creating jobs for young people. He wants to implement public transportation. Those are good programs. And I know a lot of people on social media were celebrating this because this story came out a couple of days ago. People were celebrating this. I think it was such a wonderful thing. I happen to think that this is a terrible idea. <laughs> I happen to think that having an 18-year-old mayor of, of a city is not something we should be doing writ large on the whole. This should not be the new thing. Now, I'm not speaking against Jalen Smith because Jalen Smith I'm not knocking the young man. He may be an extraordinary exception to everything that I think and everything that I'm about to say, in which case he will have a successful mayorship. He will have a successful administration, and I want him to have that. 
I'm talking as a matter of general practice, as a general rule. We should not be turning over American cities to teenagers. This is not a good idea, people, okay? And I'm all for young people. I, I, I totally am. I really am. But I don't want a teenager running my city unless he's extraordinary like Jalen Smith. And there are exceptions to every rule, every category. And again, Jalen may be the exception. I'm all for it. But as a general rule, mm -mm. in most cases, the capacity of a 30-year-old exceeds the capacity of an 18-year-old. I just, I just, listen, I, I just don't think, I, we need young people to be engaged in government and executive political leadership, no doubt about it. I, if a 25-year-old is the mayor, or 27 or 30, I'm all for that. We need younger people in the game. I got it. But if you can't rent a car or if you can't buy a beer, I don't want you running my city. Not because I don't like you, but because I'm a little nervous. <laughs> okay? How about you wait till you're like 24 or something? I just don't want this to be a thing. Because, you know, we get, we get wrapped up in things. And then before you know it, we're trying to out-young each other. Jalen was 18. I'm going to be 16. Stop it right now. Okay? All right. Get something to drink. When we come back, we're going to do some of the best things that I've seen all week. And I got some stories that are going to inspire you. A 90-year-old woman goes back and graduates from college. Yeah. Because there's something all of us have been wishing and wanting to do. And she's going to show us how. Yeah, I did my head like that. Anyway, we're right back, right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So these next few stories are um, endeavoring to lift up your spirit, right? To make your big toe shoot up in your boot. We about to raise the stakes a little bit, all right? I'm going to show you some of the best things that I've seen all week. Highly play the bumper. So, take a look at this video of a man doing the best that he can to teach some elders, I don't like the term el elderly, teaching some elders about technology. Take a look at this. I can't open this, how does this work? Yeah, Sandra, you've got this backward, it just opens up just like that. Oh, how the hell do you get this paper in the typewriter? No, no, Bob, we're, we're paperless, that, that's a Chromebook. <laughs> Leonore, what are you doing? I'm writing out a typo. Oh, that works. Is this a real video? <laughs> they cannot be that unaware. Okay. Let's talk about Hakim Zayek. Hakim Zayek is um, one of the players who played for Morocco for the national team of um, Morocco in the World Cup. And a lot of us watched the World Cup over the past couple of weeks. And there have been a lot of interesting stories that come up out of that, but Hakim uh, Zayek is one of the most interesting of those stories. Hakim uh, plays for the team, and uh, he made about $277,000 playing for the Moroccan national team. Well, he decided to take that money, all of the money that he made for playing for the national team, and decided to dedicate and donate that money to the poor people of his country. The Moroccan team made it to the semifinals this year, 
And uh, when asked about the gesture, he posted on Twitter saying he did not choose to play for the Moroccan national team for money. He chose and made the decision rather from his heart. That his decision to play for his national team was a heart thing, not a financial thing. And it's just refreshing to see that there are still people in the world who think that some things are more important than money. It's just good to know that there's still some people in the world who understand that money might be a wonderful thing, and it is. I'm not a socialist, but it ain't everything. Some things money can't do. We live in a culture where almost everything can be bought and sold and everything is for, for sale, rather, and you would be surprised at the things some people are willing to do for money, at the depths and the deplorable lengths that some people will stretch, twist, and put themselves to and through just to make a dollar. You'd be amazed how many stupid things people are willing to engage in just to be able to have some dollars in their bank account. I mean, listen, I could tell you stories, but I'm not. Just take my word for it. I have heard it all. <laughs> people doing craziness, sacrificing their dignity for a dollar. And I bet you all the money in your pocket against all the money in my pocket that there are people in your life who are doing all kinds of crazy things just to get a dollar. And they're choosing money over dignity. I bet that there are people that you know and you see every day who are also privileging and valorizing money at the expense of their own integrity, their own legacy, their own destiny, and their own self-respect. There are people who do anything I mean, anything just to be richer than they were yesterday. And they are blithely unaware of the fact that there are some things money simply cannot do. That's why I like this man. Hakim understands that there are some things money cannot do. There's some voids and some level of emptiness that money cannot fill. I don't care how much money you have. Money can't, money can't make you like yourself, people, okay? The only thing money can do is money can provide more sophisticated ways of you avoiding the fact that you don't. But money can't make you like yourself. Money can't give you a good conscience. Only being a good person and having a good soul can do that. I don't care how much money you have, money cannot give you a good conscience. Money can't make people love you, people. You hear me? Money can just convince people that they need you. And because they need you, they'll put up with you. They'll smile in your face and laugh at your jokes and clap for you in public. But when you're no longer in, 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 around, they'll talk about you like a dog. Because money can't make people love you. I mean, how much you, you can't buy love. You can buy sex. <laughs> and if you go to France, you can get a free condom for it. <laughs> but you can't buy love. I'm happy that this young soccer player understands that when it's all said and done, life is bigger than your bank account. Life is bigger than how much you paid for your house or your car, how many bedrooms you have. And if that's all your life is ultimately about, you have a small and trivial life. You understand what I'm saying to you? Because you got to be big when you don't have any evidence. You got to be big when you're broke. You got to be important and a king when you don't have a crown. You got to be a queen when you don't have a throne to sit on because it's not the king. It's not the crown that makes you a king. It's who you are on the inside, how you sit in the chair and how you hold court and handle conversation.
but you do with your gifts and your abilities. And a bank account can't give you that. If you're not gifted and talented and anointed, I don't care how much money you got, you still ain't gonna be nothing when it's all said and done. You can buy your way to wherever money will get you, but there's a part of this journey where money won't let you enter. Listen, we're all tied up together in the same garment of destiny. And how about like this young soccer player, we figure out that if you're not okay, I'm not okay. And if you don't eat, then I'm not really eating. And if you're not happy, then I can't be happy. Because we're tied up in the single garment of destiny. And instead of pursuing money, why don't, why don't we mutually pursue each other's happiness? Think about that. When we come back, I'm gonna show you a little more of my favorite and best things that I've seen all week. A 90-year-old woman goes back to college, yes, and an engagement proposal. Because people are still falling in love. You know, it happens. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So have you heard of the story of Miss Joyce DeVoe? Miss Joyce DeVoe um, is a 90-year-old woman who finally walked across the stage and received her college diploma 71 years after she first enrolled in college. Yes, you heard me, Miss Joyce graduated 71 years after being admitted into college. 1951, Miss Joyce started her freshman year at Northern Illinois University under the assumption that she would graduate with a degree in home economics. But as in the case, as is the case, rather, and as is often the case, I really should say, life had other plans. Life changed those plans. And Miss Joyce got married in 1955 and had three children before her husband passed away, leaving her widow for five years. Eventually, Miss Joyce got remarried, and then her second husband, with whom she had six children, including two sets of twins, he eventually died, and now she's widowed again. I see why it took 71 years, because that's a lot of kids, okay? They were busy. <laughs> they were busy doing other things that people are apparently doing in France. I had to make it all connect. Anyway, so Miss Joyce started talking about um, the fact that she wanted to go to school. She now has 17 grandchildren, 24 great-grandchildren, and flash forward to 2019, she starts talking to her grandchildren about this college degree that she never got. Well, as is the case in good families, her grandchildren began to suggest and recommend that she really consider going back to school. Yeah. They said to her, listen, it's not too late. And after hearing this over and over again from her grandchildren, Miss Joyce decided to go back to Northern Illinois University and receive her degree. And instead of walking or working on campus, Miss Joyce attended classes via, you know, virtually um, over the laptop. From her retirement home. <laughs> she went to college from her retirement home, literally, virtually. 
And that was the first time, by the way, that she ever used a computer. She sounded sound like those people in the video we just watched. She never used a computer. Her grandchildren showed her, showed her how to use it. And right in her retirement home at 90, she graduates from college. I love this woman so much. <laughs> I just love people who remind the rest of us, stop complaining, stop making excuses, stop telling yourself all the things we tell ourselves are the reason we're not doing what we really want to do. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too rich, I'm too poor, too gay, too straight, too male, too female, too young, too old. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Shut up. Yeah, stop doing all that. Stop telling yourself that. Because Miss Joyce reminds us that you can be in a retirement home at 90, never used a computer before, and you can learn how to do it, you can master it, and get what you want. Most of life, most of life, the secret sauce of most of life is being so determined that not even hell and high water will stop you from getting what you want. But we tell ourselves all these things that we tell ourselves and we talk ourselves out of the best things and the true things and the things we are destined to have. A lot of the reason why we don't have what we are supposed to have is not because it's not available and it's not because it's not achievable, it's just we talk ourselves out of it. Too old, I missed my time, it's over, blah, 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 blah. shut up. And you say, Dr. Sean, that's so rude. I know. Because sometimes the only way to love somebody is to confront them rudely. This woman got a degree at 90. 90. Most of the people watching right now are not 90. You're not too old. You're not too poor. You're not too black. You're not too anything. It's not too late for you. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's not too late for you. You say, well, I'm not married, but it's not too late. I haven't started this business, but it's not too late. I still haven't done my best, but it's not too late. You can still get this done. You can still do this. If you stop telling yourself all the reasons why it can't happen and it hasn't happened yet, and simply start telling yourself what Miss Joyce obviously had to tell herself, it can happen. It will happen. It must happen. And when that's your perspective, let me tell you, I don't care what your age is or what your money's like. When that's where you, when that's the seat of the soul from which you operate, it can happen. It will happen. It must happen. The devil himself can't get in your way. See, I don't care what anybody says. And I don't care how it seems. And I don't care what you tell yourself. It's not too late. What you want is still out there, still available. Because opportunity, just like Miss Joyce, it never gets old. All right, let's do one more. Here's the last thing I want to show you in my little segment about the best things that I've seen all week. Take a look at this video. You found that chocolate cake? I think I did. Why you want it? What, that chocolate cake? What's, what's special about it? It's good. What you
Told you. <laughs> it's never too late. And for everybody out there still waiting on somebody to come along, be encouraged by that. Because people are still finding each other. You might mess around and wake up tomorrow and find the person you've been waiting on. Or better still, they might find you. We'll be right back with some Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Got some great questions. You don't want to miss these questions, okay? We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So we cannot have one of these shows and not answer some of the amazing questions you guys send me. You guys are always steadfast and consistent with the amazing level of the questions you guys submit. Thank you for that. Keep submitting them. We always appreciate uh, you helping us create moments for other people to learn from your questions. This is a great question. Take a look at this video. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name's Amber. I was hoping that you'd help me settle a disagreement my boyfriend and I are having this holiday season. I want my boyfriend to go with me to my family's Christian Christmas dinner, and he's Muslim. He's not willing to go. He says that I'm being unreasonable for asking him to go. I think he's being a little unreasonable for not being willing to go. It's just dinner. What's your advice? What's the compromise? Well, the truth of the matter is you're both being unreasonable because you knew he was a Muslim when you started dating him and he knew that you were a Christian when he started dating you. I'm assuming y'all had a conversation where both of you knew what the religious sensibilities of the other were. If you know you're dating a Muslim and he knows he's dating a Christian, then the two of you should have had a conversation about how you're gonna handle these kinds of moments. And you should also have respect for each other's religions. So he is a Muslim for which participating in Christian rituals or settings or themes may be uncomfortable for him. But at the same time, he's also the person who claims to love you. And sometimes loving someone means you have to sacrifice and put up with things you might not, not normally put up with in order to be there for that person. Both of you are being unreasonable. This is what I say all the time. These are the kind of conversations you need to have or should have had long before you started doing, you know, whatever it is couples do when they do what they do. We have superficial conversations with people when we need to have more substantive dialogues. This should have been a, scenar a scenario, rather, that the two of you thought out. And now here you are trying to figure out how to have a compromise when what you should have had was an agreement, an understanding. I don't know, I don't know how you're gonna deal with this because he seems to be immovable and you seem to be disrespected. You feel disrespected or you feel like he's not considering the bigger picture. Welcome to a house where people think differently and they believe different things. How about in the future you not invite him to Christian settings? And how about in the future he not lead with his religion, but lead with the fact that he loves you? I don't know how the two of you are gonna get there, but that's where you need to be. Good luck with that. All right, someone email me this question. I want to spice things up when it comes to my sex life. So I bought a Santa Claus and, and Mrs. Claus outfits for me and my wife to wear and to role play over the holidays. 
When I showed her the outfits and told her what I wanted to do, she told me I was out of her mind. How can I tell her that I'm bored and we need to spice things up? <laughs> well, by telling her you're bored and you need to spice things up. Sounds like you're married to somebody who's not very adventurous and doesn't take a lot of risk in the bedroom. You know, you get what I'm saying, right? Well, this is the person that you chose. This is the person that you're committed to. And instead of just telling her that you're bored, why don't you have a conversation about what it is she might be interested in to sort of spice things up? Where she is with your sex life? Because you both may be on the same page with this, she's just not into Santa Claus. <laughs> she doesn't wear. She doesn't want. She doesn't want to wear a Santa Claus suit. She might be willing to wear something else. I'm just saying, before you kind of shut down, get some more information, and then figure out how the two of you can negotiate, and navigate your love life together by making sure that the both of you are participating in making it better. Because it takes two to tango. It takes two to make it better. And it's not going to be any more interesting or any better if she's not willing to participate. So what you need to do is to gauge her level of willingness for transformation change and a little risk, a little risque. What you really want to tell her is why this is important to you. Here's the truth. What she needs to know is it's either wear the Santa suit and spice things up, or watch a man that she loves create reasons in himself to cheat. Sorry. All right, take a look at this video. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Joey and I have a question. What is a good age to tell kids that there's no such thing as Santa? <laughs> depends on the kid, depends on the house, depends on the family. Um, in my house, you know, I don't even know how my kids find out there was no Santa Claus. They just sort of found out on their own. And I don't remember how I found out there was no Santa Claus. I just sort of outgrew it, came out of it. I, to me, it's just sort of a natural thing that happens unless kids are really sheltered. I mean, really, really ridiculously sheltered. I don't have an age that you should have this conversation, but if your kid is 15 years old and still thinks there's a Santa Claus, somebody, something's wrong. Some, Something is askew. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, over the nine, I don't know. What I do know is this, that when I was a kid, I just hoped that somebody would come along and give me some gifts. I didn't care who it was. Santa, Mrs. Claus, I didn't care who it was. But here's the important part of your question, and I'm going to give you this, and then I got to let you go, is that at whatever age your kids find out, what they should find out along with the Santa information is that it's you who work hard and love them and give them whatever it is you provide. Santa doesn't provide, your love does. Listen, everybody, thank you for being a part of this show tonight. We will see you over in the new year. Interesting, right? 18-year-old mayors, 22-year-old people, people retiring. You keep going, all right? Reach for it. Be good to each other. I love you. How about that?